This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, for the second time this year, we get to celebrate a win. We've had so many weeks, six of them, where we've had to come in here and talk about the deficiencies of the Detroit Lions, and there are still some there. Obviously, it's not we're not getting away from that, but we have an opportunity to talk about some positives. Well, when you took a look at yesterday's game, I know you were there, and I'd love to hear about the crowd in the in the in the stadium because on TV it felt like they were they were just as juiced as they were early in the season but from the team's perspective what were some of the positives that you saw uh on the field oh victory monday oh, best day in the fall victory monday all best around day during football season yeah great weekend for uh, michigan sports huh yeah michigan detroit sports wings yeah, win man. spartans win wolverines win lions win nice weekend um man i was you know what i want to start there with you mentioned the crowd and the fans like that to me continues to be impressive um early in the season i think everybody was all always you know obviously hyped and uh optimistic what's this team gonna do um you know we got the hard knocks like the stadium was rocking man you know then you get to one and six and it's like you fear that you're going to lose that advantage a little bit being at yeah. home and yesterday i was i was pleasantly surprised it was a packed house it was loud uh the energy was high the juice was real you know the players definitely feel that um so that to me was just like man that is we got freaking great fans, dude. It's a one in six football team, and they're still showing up every single yeah. Sunday, still rooting on this team, and and still doing everything they can to provide them with a, a home field advantage. And normally, when Green Bay comes to town, uh, you know, I'm obviously when I played and coming here and you know being a part the last couple of years, being at these games, it's normally like I want to say maybe a sixty forty, maybe a sixty five thirty five split. Yeah, you always see a lot of green and yellow. Obviously, they're having a down year, so maybe that had something to do with the fact they did probably didn't you know travel as well as they normally do. But our fans have have been incredible the whole season, and to stick with this team, you know, after the last you know what month and a half of not winning a football game and and still showing up and still coming out and supporting those guys, I know it means a lot to them. So that was uh, that was very impressive. Second thing is, you know, this defense. I mean, you talk about. Not only the week that they had, 
but really the last month and a half of just feeling like not much is going our way. You know, we're not doing much. We, we <laughs> a lot of palms in the air looking around. Hey, what's going on? I don't know. I thought I had help. You know what I mean? Like it was just those guys, man, you work so hard throughout the week just to try to go out there and do everything you can on a Sunday to win the game. And, uh, for the first time this year, you know, they did that and they stepped up big time. And even after the changes, I mean, Aubrey Pleasant was, I think, a very well-liked coach in that building. I think he was a respected guy. Um, anytime you let go of a guy like that, yeah, it's it's going to go one of either two ways. Guys are going to start, you know, kind of going in the dumps a little bit and start playing more individual style football. You know, I'm just going to take care of me, yeah. that kind of attitude. Um, or you can rebound and say, man, this is a wake-up call. You know, we got to go out there. We got to play our ass off. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, so for me, I was I was most impressed with the defense and, and just the way that they closed the game out. You know, I'm sure all of us had that same deja vu feeling. Uh, Six-point game, Aaron Rodgers got the ball in his hands. Like, I know he's not dealing with the same cast of, of, of players and teammates that he normally has, but that felt like a very similar feeling that we knew what was going to happen. And for the defense to step up and, what, give four straight stops there to end the game, yeah. that was just huge for their confidence, I think, because we talked about it last week. I mean, you know, how many games have we been on the flip side of that? You know, how many games have we've been, we've been the team making the mistakes and not being able to close the game out? You know, you, you look back – you know, we were the team against Dallas that was turning the ball over at the one-yard line. You know, we were the team uh, that was throwing all the interceptions, you know, <laughs> against, you know, Dallas and, and Se- in Seattle, the pick six, and New England turning the ball over. for t- Like, we were the teams making the mistakes, you know. Um, I thought the offense, you know, <clears throat> did enough. I mean, that was an ugly game. They didn't turn the ball over, which was positive. I, well, they, they turned the ball over. They threw the interception. But the defense stood up tall and, and – played that kind of bend don't break mentality and it's good to see so many young players having an impact you know that's what encouraged me a lot is you look at you know Kirby Joseph and I know he went out somewhere late in that game with the with the head injury he played just outstanding you know Jeff Okuda was really good again uh Derek Barnes who's guy that's kind of been written off a little bit you know with with the emergence of Malcolm Malcolm Rodriguez he comes in and you know has the sack has the pass break up on the first interception and um, you know, the goal line stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you look at Jerry Jacobs coming back, missed a lot of time tearing, after tearing his ACL late in the season last year. Like, he was a difference maker for them. Um, so that, for me, is is really encouraging that those young players really stepped their shit up, and they were the reason why they won that game. Now, the challenge for this team, and it's been the challenge all along for them, is how do you respond now? You know, you've had that taste of success. How do you start to build upon it? You know what I mean? How do you stack uh, these good performances and find that uh, find that sort of consistency that, you know, you can do it every week? That's going to be the challenge, and that's something that we just haven't seen from this team. Um, we saw, you know, Washington, but man, great game, you know, come out the next week and, and lay an eight, you know, it's just yeah. Dallas, you know, defense is pretty good against Dallas, come back against Miami and just lay an eight, you know what I mean? So it's all, it's all about consistency from here on out, but, um, the defense just really stood out yesterday. They, they, they deserved to win that game. So let's just talk about Brad Holmes for a little bit after this game, you've got guys and you mentioned some of them, uh, Derek Barnes, uh, Kirby Joseph. Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Paschal, um, Malcolm Rodriguez, Aline McNeil, Jerry Jacobs, uh, Penny Sewell, obviously. 
uh, you've got guys, Amon Ross St. Brown, in their first two years that are b- directly attributable to Brad Holmes and his draft. And yeah, on some of rosters, these guys wouldn't be starting, but they're getting valuable experience. Um, do you expect, now, as rookies, as second-year guys, you expect those second-year guys to have a more leveled playing experience. So there's not as many peaks, there's not as many valleys. It's it's more measured. The young players, the rookies, you do expect some of those, hey, a great game one week and then not so great the next week. Are we at the point in the season where you expect these guys to start playing a more consistent brand of football? Yeah, I think I am. What, you're eight games in now. You know, that's uh, right around the halfway point. I know they play 17 now. Plus they so get that bye weekend extra practice. Right, just shy of it. But, um, yeah, I think that you have enough sample size now to really start to understand what you have and what you are as a player. Um, and you talk about the ups and downs. I mean, you know, it's been evident with all the rookies. You know, even when Kirby Joseph first started getting playing time against Seattle, I mean, he got burned for a couple touchdowns, and it's like, okay, maybe he's not ready yet, you know, and you fast-forward four games, and you're like, dude looks like a stud, you know. Hutchinson, same thing. I mean, going back to Washington, you know, wow, man, I think we got something here. Kind of goes quiet for the next three or four games. Comes out, uh, you know, against Dallas, has a sack and a half. Come Yesterday, obviously, with the interception, uh, there were still a lot of plays yesterday where I thought, you know, he was not making a big impact on the game, but you're starting to see uh, what what you, you, I think you start to see the potential. You know what I mean? You've seen that you can do it, and the thing in the NFL, especially when you're a young player, is if you show you can do it once or twice, um, or at this point, you know, eight times, you know, you got eight games under your belt, like that's, you got to start changing the standard and changing the expectation. So, uh, but I've been really, you know, it's, you talk about just the, the development of these guys, you know what I mean? You got a lot of young guys who were either not playing earlier in the year or, you know, playing not very good Yeah. that all of a sudden yesterday you're like, man, I think we got something here. Now you also have to take a step back and say like, Things are really bad in Green Bay, you know what I mean? But I don't care about that. Anytime you play against Aaron Rodgers and you get a win and you take the ball away three times from him, that's just an incredible feat. So, yeah, but that's a, that's that's hopefully what these rookies and these young players learn that, um, you know, you, don't, you try not to get too high, you try not to get too low, you try to find that even keel, uh, but you also understand that if you did it once, you're expected to do it again, and you're expected to do it every time. Yeah, and, I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk because it happened after we recorded – uh, last week, but Aubrey Peasant let's get let's go. Um, and then after the game, Dan Campbell gives um, AG the game ball. Yeah, and we heard the the, the team response. We heard his response. Uh, but just first of all, your thought on Dan making that change and firing Aubrey Pleasant. I mean, he felt like it was necessary. You know, I think that Miami game was just the final straw. Uh, you usually don't hear after the game where the coach, you know, I don't, I wouldn't even say he threw him under the bus, but he was just honest. You know, hey, we had this plan. This is what we want to do. The guys didn't do it for whatever reason. You know, that falls on the position coach and that falls on the coordinator. And, and a part of it, yeah, it has to fall on the head coach as well. You know, like if you're seeing it not work, not doing it, yeah. why, first of all, why isn't it being why, done? Why, why aren't they doing it? Second of all, put somebody else in that's going to do it, you know, yeah. and that's a problem that they have. You know, they don't have other guys behind them that's like, 
we can just put in there and go yeah. play, you know. But uh, at the same time, it's it w- it was just it, it, he felt like it was necessary, you know. We talked about it a little bit last week, but it just it, sometimes. And I've only been a part of it one time when I during my ten year career where a coach got fired. But um, you take you feel responsible as a player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we just went out there and won a couple more games and you know played a little bit better. You know, these guys, lost his yeah, job. his dude wouldn't lost his job. You know what I mean? So you take accountability, you take responsibility. And, and also sometimes, um, I mean, it's just a, it's a wake up call, you yeah. know, it just is. And they've tried different ways of sending wake up calls to the defense. I mean, it started with going back to the new England game, you know, you bench your starting cornerback, Amani, you know, healthy scratch. And then a couple games later you bench, your, your defensive captain, Michael Brockers, you know, healthy scratch. And yeah. that's kind of a way to send wake-up calls to the guy. And if they're still not getting the message, you know, obviously that that starts with, with the coaches. Something's just not resonating there. So um, it felt you – know, just I think Dan felt it was necessary to make a move. And, you know, he wanted to see how his guys were going to respond from that. And I think it says a lot about the the type of characters that they have in that building because that would be an easy – the easy thing to do would be like, all right, you know, F this. I'm just going to take care of myself or, you know, I'm a free agent after the season. I'm just going to try to stay healthy. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. can get that very individualistic mindset pretty easy. But the fact that they, you know, kind of came together and rallied around Aaron Glenn and rallied around each other, um, man, that was uh, that was really impressive to see. So in terms of the Lions offense, like a win's a win. 15 points is not a great output. But they did finally get a touchdown in the second half. But when you look at some struggles that they had or why some drives stalled, and let's just start with the running backs. Jamal Williams has been a workhorse for this team. And I still feel terrible that he laid the ball on the ground uh, against Miami just because he's been so reliable. In the Dallas game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sorry, the Dallas game in the one, yeah. But 24 carries, 81 yards. I mean, numbers don't jump off the screen except for the fact that he is your number one back right now. DeAndre Swift only got two carries. I know he had three receptions, but is is this a point of the season where you can you're you're, you're pretty much going to say we can't count on DeAndre Swift? I I would say no. I mean, I don't know how severe his injuries are, and maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. But obviously, coming out of that Miami game, you know, Dan was he just admitted that. You know, maybe we shouldn't have put him out there. He probably wasn't ready yet, you know. And even the week before that, you know, going into Dallas, I think he practiced a little bit. He was listed yeah. as questionable. And then Sunday morning was like, yeah, just not ready. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to put him out there. Um, I wouldn't give up on him. I think he is getting a little healthier. I think that they still have him on a pitch count for a reason. Uh, when you look at the big picture, and obviously going into yesterday, you still had 10 games left. Yeah. Uh, does anybody think this team can turn the corner and all of a sudden, you know, start pushing for 500 and make a run? Like, I, I don't, th- I don't yeah. think so, but crazier things have happened. You know what I mean? So, and, and if you're inside that building, you're thinking that, you know, if you're inside that building, you're thinking, hey, let's get one. Maybe one turns into two. You know, maybe, maybe all of a sudden we go six games, you win four or five. You, you never know. Right. You know what I mean? So that's probably their uh, line of thinking where it's like, yeah, DeAndre Swift, we're still going to need this guy the rest of the season. Um, but even even him on a pitch count. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, it still makes a difference. You know what I mean? Like, even him against Miami, you know, getting five touches, whatever it was, you know, one of those was was a big play for a touchdown, you know, in the red zone. Even yesterday we saw the similar play coming out of the backfield as a receiver, yeah. you know, making a big catch, extending the drive, you know what I mean? So he does give you a, an element of explosiveness. Um, can you rely on him to hopefully sooner than later come back and be your workhorse again? I don't know. You know, because this has just been a pattern with him is the is the availability, right? Yeah. They're a better team with him on the field. I know that. Uh, but if he's only out there available for 10, 15 snaps, you know, you got to ride that fine line. How much are you trying to force feed the ball? Because te- defenses know that too. Defenses know when 32's on the field, he's probably going to touch the ball. Uh, defenses know when 14's on the field, they're probably going to bracket him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think what Swift is – would it be fair to say disappointing? And it's nothing against Tim. Like, you're not trying to co- – no. I know injuries you can't control, but at the same time, like, we saw the potential of this offense the first four weeks with him healthy and obviously some other guys healthy as well. But you've seen the big difference with him not being available, not being healthy, that this offense is just going to have to kind of scrum out some games and hopefully try to find a way at the end of, to, to make a play. Yeah. The, the disappointing thing for me, and not that you – I'm not questioning whether he's hurt or not. I am questioning the severity of the injuries and if these are some that he should be playing with and some discomfort that he should be playing with because a lot of times when we see guys hurt, we see them limp off the field or we see a big hit and we're like, you know, you see them holding their arm coming off the field. You know, there's some type of shoulder or arm injury or a leg injury. Yeah. At no point did I see him come off the field like, you know, or we see him limping around. So I'm just wondering... 
what it actually is that is preventing him from getting on the field. And if it's the fact that he just – and some guys, the, their pain threshold just isn't that great and they can't play with some discomfort, that may be the, the fact. But and, and it's, again, it's nothing against him, but we're talking about you know a production-based business. If DeAndre Swift has this special skill, this special talent, that when he touches the ball, he can make things happen and get production – you're never really going to be able to count on him to do what Jamal Williams did yesterday, and that's carry the ball 24 times. Yeah, to be and then a think that he could yeah. come back the next week and and even be able to get on the field. Yeah, I mean, you got to hope that there's a little bit more of a a balance, you know. And gosh, that maybe be a question that you can ask coach on your weekly show yeah. when you talk to him on Tuesdays. Um, but yeah, I think he was a guy that it's frustrating because you know what kind of player he is. You know what kind of explosive uh, explosiveness he brings to your offense. And when you're only watching him get two, three carries and you know two or three receptions, it's like, God, we need this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need him out there. So I, I mean, it's it's obviously fair to to question what is going on um, because even yesterday, like you're looking and, and he's standing on the sideline. You know, he's standing by the coaches. I mean, I think he was available to go back in that game yeah it just maybe it's something on their end that's just like you know hey you know let's keep jamal in there you know he's doing all right he's a workhorse for it you know what i mean so i don't know i mean that'd be uh i think that's definitely definitely fair to kind of contemplate what's going on there so you're in a a unique position and i normally wouldn't go down this road because you play a team in the nfl and you move on to next week however they will play Green Bay again, and Green Bay being a division opponent, you know the it, it it matters if the Lions were to go on some type of run to get back to five hundred. Could they possibly get to a wild card? Like that discussion is way down the road, and it feels like a pipe dream. So we'll I'll leave it there. But in a division opponent that's struggling like Green Bay is. Um, you look down the road and say, okay, well, can the Lions, if they can scratch together a couple of wins and maybe get to five, six wins, what does that mean moving forward with as young of a team as it is? And the salary cap issues for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is a weird dude, uh, especially over the last three years. What's going on in Green Bay? I mean, Matt LeFleur, and <laughs> I love saying that. The little French fella. LeFleur. LeFleur. Um, you know, it, it looks like when he talks to Aaron Rodgers, like he's commiserating with him, right? Misery loves company. And I'm not sure I like that look from their head coach, but yeah. it almost feels like they're throwing up their hands and saying, what do you expect from us with what we have to work with? Yeah. And it's pointing the finger at everything other than the quarterback or the head coach. What the hell's going on? I, it seems to me that there's an accountability issue going on. And... I don't know if that's the head coach. I don't know if that's the quarterback. I don't know if it's just, you know, the the young receivers. Um, But it is weird, and I really underestimated just how bad things are in Green Bay. I mean, to be honest with you, all last week and even Sunday leading up to the game, I was like, I can't pick the Lions. You know, they haven't shown me anything in the past couple weeks (laughs) that would would allow me to think that they're going to get a win, you know. And it just kind of felt like it was going to be – 
you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. How many times have we seen it? You know, he goes through some rough patches, he snaps out of it, and all of a sudden they go on a run, and all of a sudden they're one of the best teams in the NFL. You know what I mean? So you're kind of waiting. I was waiting yesterday to see if that was going to be that moment for them, and it wasn't. And it just, the the optics of it were just so bad. I mean, how many times, and, and I know people that were watching it on TV kept mentioning just, you know, throwing his arms up in the air and screaming and throwing, you know, throwing fits out on the field. It was just like, I don't know what's going on because even there's plays where, you know, he has a guy open and he's throwing it at their feet and then he throws their arms, his arms up and starts bitching about it. It's like, is he mad at himself? Is he mad at them? Like, I don't know what's going on. So it kind of seems like there might be an accountability issue. Um, and even, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he said something. When he was with the McAfee show, and I'm not going to put him on blast, but he did try to pants me yesterday that I was upset about. He broke my belt, so. <laughs> but, like he said something. So you, had to, you had to walk around all day with yeah, uh, broken your pants belt, up. man. It sucked. But you know, he said, uh, you know, he started talking. He's very public. Like we've got a lot of guys not doing what they're expected to do: mental errors or missed assignments. Uh, whatever it is, and, you know, we need to start cutting some reps from those guys. Um, and then, you know, well, how did you play, Aaron? Well, my coach gave me the highest grade of the season, you know, yeah. and it's like, whoa, that's weird, man. Like you, normally he's that type of guy when things are going bad, you know, hey, it's I got to be better. It starts with me, you know what I mean? Like I got to get these guys on the right page. I got to do whatever it takes to, you know, make sure we're we're doing things the right way. And to, for him to kind of go the opposite way and say, like, well, basically, I played fine. You know, it was everybody else that played like shit yeah. was, to me, was like, oh, man, like that. I don't know if I've ever heard him say something like that. And maybe it, come, it came out of uh, just, you know, frustration with how their season's been going. But there's clearly, clearly an issue going on over there in Green Bay. And if anything, if yesterday told us anything, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to get resolved anytime soon. No. I mean, that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But to answer your question, I think – you know, we all kind of had this feeling like once Aaron Rodgers leaves, you know, this division, man, hopefully we're ready to compete then because then this division's going to be pretty open. Um, this division, I mean, what were the Packers three and six? We're two and six. The Bears are three and six. I know the Vikings. Uh, yeah. you know, are they a great team? I don't think the Vikings are, you know, a Super Bowl contender. They keep winning games, though. Um, but I don't see the Lions being that far off from any of those teams, you know, so um if the key, things continue to go worse and we've already seen it in the nfc man it's been a weird season you look at the rams you look at the bucks you look at all these powerhouse teams that are really struggling yeah you know you, what you got atlanta at the top of the division you got seattle at the top of their, their division know, it's, weird. it's just it's like so weird. what you got the giants in the eagle and you know you're just like whoa like this is this is a weird year but i think hopefully if they continue to get better and improve and, and keep adding you know and these young guys continue to get keep getting better and improving that this team will not be very, very, very far off. Well, there, it, it feels like there are a few key components away. Yeah, and the biggest one is, you know, and gosh, you hate to talk about this not even halfway through the season, but it already started. You know, what are you going to do with quarterback? Right. You know, what are, what are you going to well, do with Jared Goff? Well, he started off you so know, good like, with, in the first yeah. four games, but he had a full complement of players. Right. Now he's being asked to go out there and make plays, much like he did at the start of last year. Before Amon Ross St. Brown came on, and he's just not what you need at that position. Yeah. And I don't want to. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't think it's unfair to say that he is a type of quarterback that needs weapons around him. Yeah. You know, he's not the type of quarterback that, as we've seen, you know, with, with the squad yesterday of Tom Kennedy and Khalif Raymond and, 
um, you know, even Amon Ross St. Brown, who's a good player, like he's he's not going to make those guys a whole lot better. You know what I mean? So when you try to compare it to a young quarterback, a lot of them fall into the same category, right? Yeah, you put a good talent talented squad around them, you know, they're going to be able to have success. Jared Goff, just to me, it's it's just a consistency issue, you know, and, and I think it's a confidence issue with him. I mean, we've seen the first four games looked really good. We saw last week against Miami in the first half. Man, okay, this is what we saw the first four games. Maybe he's getting back uh, to playing at that high level. And then you watch yesterday and it's like, Okay, yeah. man, just like be careful. You know, you're you're starting to push it a little bit. You're getting a little close to <laughs> some, some of these turnovers again. Um, so that's a conversation that, gosh, maybe we should probably hold off on for another month at least. But that's going to be a big question mark, you know, heading into uh, just the final, the second half of the season, and obviously, lead, depending on how this team does um, and how they look, you know, that's 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 probably the biggest question mark heading into the future, at least I would say. Well, he did find uh, Shane Zilstra. In the end zone, he found James Mitchell in the end zone, and the reason those two guys were getting more play was because T.J. Hawkinson's no longer a lion. Um, are you okay with trading inside the division? Yes, I mean, you know, it's not a definitive I, I, yes. I, I, well, for me, it's about like, do I like the return that they got for him yeah. and? I would say yeah. I would lean yes. I'm not going to sit here and ecstatically say, oh, my gosh, I absolutely love it. You know, they got a second and a third, and, you know, they ended up giving away a fourth and, I know, a conditional fourth. I don't know the conditions around that pick. Well, if the um, Vikings win a playoff game, it's a fourth. If they don't, I think it jumps up to a third. Okay, so whatever the condition is. But when I first saw it, I was like, you know what, that's probably more than I thought we could get because we watch TJ every week. Right, yeah. A lot of outsiders, they just see the highlights. They don't watch him every single play like we do. They don't watch him block. They don't watch uh, as much in depth as we do. Right, and um, I don't think I'm being unfair when I say that. I, I don't think Hawk really ever lived up to expectations. You know what I mean? We saw glimpses of it. You know, we saw the game. Was it against Seattle where he's you know 150 yards, couple scores, yeah. whatever it was, and it's like, okay, man, like that's that's what we that's need. big time play. But you just tended to you, we we saw it what like once every six, seven, eight games, and it's like you know that's just and when you combine that with the fact that the run blocking seemed to kind of disappear a little bit or at least take a, a slight Get step worse. back. Yeah. It was just we get to see that. We get an up-close look at it. We get to study it a little bit more, and I don't think it's unfair to say that um, I don't have an issue with them n- not making him a part of the future because is that a really is he a game-changing type tight end to the level that you can justify paying him, you know, $10 million 14, next year because they picked up bucks. his fifth-year option. Right. Is that, is that what you can justify? And just when you look at the totality of, of everything – I think it's a pretty clear no. Yeah. So I didn't really have an issue with it. I think that um, it was probably the right move to at least get something back for him. Um, and, you know, it just is what it is. Well, the Lions go on the road for two weeks, uh, a trip to the Windy City and the Bears, and then obviously the to uh, New York City to take on the Giants. So we'll uh, continue to bring all your Lions information. TJ and I will break down as much as we possibly can, give you some insight to what's going on.